Uh. Whole thing gets done up How you gonna try and take three down one up Bro on the ball and you know he a gunner Release it quick I'll displace the runner Lights get heavy when they're bright on you But I'm iron real so I always shoot Are you really sure for a 2v2 You could get left back when the third one's through I'm the man in my city so trust we're united So the wolves can't come for the team All enemies just spur me on They can't make me mad I'm the chosen son No wait I mean we're the chosen three Attack and defend sword and shield How you gonna try and pass it round When you always see us free midfield Yes, yes. Hello, hello, and welcome to the podcast. A new intro, a new song. So if you're listening to this on the audio and you're confused, believe me, it's still free in midfield. I am, of course, your host, Kojo. We are back. It's been a long time. June 27th, I believe, was the last time I did a show on here. Theo was the guest on the show. We spoke about Chelsea and the transfer window and their business so far. Uh, oh, back then, so far, anyway. Um, but a lot has happened. Um, people... Being annoyed with their clubs, being Man United, Spurs in good form, um, Arsenal fans doing well, CF lost three in a row, Pogba's failed drug um, tests twice. Um, anything else I've missed out? A Beckham documentary came out. Anything else I've missed that's been crazy in the world of football? I can't think of anything you else. Could, really. You could throw Onana in there, but I don't know. I, it know depends. What? If you, depends I'm, what... I'm, I'm okay, man. I'm okay. I'm okay. But welcome to the show. Um, that is the voice of Theo. Theo, from, from the Shed End and from the Style of Play podcast. My brother, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back on, as always. Pleasure. But yeah, good three points collected this weekend, so I can I can come on podcast and talk football. Yeah, yeah, pleasure. You, you haven't been smiling for a while, so it's good to see you smile. Not man. at all. <laughs> and to his side, of course, we are joined for the first time on this podcast by Rodri. Rodri from, well, Rodri Giggs and Rodri from Shoot the Defence. If you don't know, you've got to need, you got to need to know. Rodri, how you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm good, mate. You? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's yeah, good to have you. Uh, yeah, happy like for you. We've got three points, so I'm happy. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds <laughs> delighted. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just below us on the panel, anyway, on the screen, but never below us on top of the the league table anyway because his team is currently top bro, of the table. I think my Wi-Fi is cutting out, bro. Is that... Do you know what? Yeah, I was thinking, is it me? I was ready to phone BT. Anyway, I'm glad to be here, I'm loving a new intro as well. Oh, appreciate it, man. Thank you. And it's good to have you back on. It's been a long time, but I've been waiting to get you back for a while, so I thought it was the right time to get you back. And finally, last but not least... And finally, last but not least, this is someone who... um it says like an honorary member of Free Midfield, if you don't know. And um he, he used to he used to hate Arteta, then he loved Arteta. I don't know how he's feeling so far about Arteta. We're gonna find out today. Basil, how are you doing, bro? No, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I can't complain. You know, good victory, Arsenal are backing it up. So yeah, more happier times. It, it seems like you're getting a, a lot more happier me than the days when it was moaning me because yeah, we were doing so badly. But yeah, I can't complain. <laughs> Uh, well, Basil, it's great to have you on again. And for anyone that's watching, if you didn't know, Basil's rich. But anyway, to the podcast. Um, uh, let's start. Where should we start? Let's start. You know what? Let's start on Saturday. We'll go to the big game last um, for sure. Let's go on Saturday and the game that opened the Premier League weekend, which was Luton versus Tottenham Hotspurs, ended 1-0, courtesy of a goal by Mickey van der Ven. So we'll go straight to Callum and I will ask the following question. Um, great start to the season so far top of the table playing well um 
but it's the brand of football that I think you guys wanted to see in, improve at Tottenham more than anything before the results happen. So I know you guys had a bit of patience anyway in terms of seeing what could happen. But you are top of the table. Um, on this game alone, what impressed you so much um, with your team's performance against Luton? I mean, with the game alone, like I said to you earlier today, I was, I was working during the game, so I only managed to catch the second half. And so, yeah, I can't, I can't go too in-depth in terms of analysis. But mm. to be fair, I feel like Luton had, they had chances. They just looked shaky. They looked like a newly promoted side. We had a lot of chances in the first half, but I saw from the highlights. Richarlison in particular, for me, he's, he's the one thing that's bringing me down this season. Like you said, our football's been so good, but to replace Harry Kane with Richarlison... Is nowhere near good enough. I mean, the guy's just missing sitter after sitter every game. So yeah, I'm not too not too proud of him. But Mickey van der Venlo, like you said, scored the goal. I'm surprised by how quickly he's adjusted to the Premier League. He's only, I think, 22 years old or something, yeah. new to the league, and he looks like he's been playing here for the last five to seven years. And centre back's obviously been one of our biggest deficiencies. So to have him slot right in next to Romero and look comfortable has been has been a blessing this season. Yeah, top of the table. I can't complain right now. Very, very happy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Rosary, we 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 all know that great defensive partnerships mean a lot to the best best of teams. You know, we've seen them with previous Premier League winning teams, and even if you haven't won the Premier League, you've had some defenses that have had a great partnership over the years. Van der Ven and Romero are new, but looking at how they defended, considering Spurs went out to ten men, we'll talk about the red card later. Um, how impressed are you so far by that sort of partnership? Do you think there's something blooming there to be a very solid partnership for years to come? Uh, well, it's still early yet, but, but the signs are good. You know, that, that Romero, to me, was, was rash. He, he was, he, uh, and he's always looked like he'd give you a red card, but this year he's, he's totally different player. And you're right, the partnership's everything. It's not just one, it's the both of them. And... Uh, yeah, they're both all the teams looking good at the minute. To be honest, uh, Madison, I can't believe it. when I look at Madison every time, I think, why did we not get him? But uh, yeah, he's a really good player. He's added to it. Um, but like Callum says, you know, it's gonna it's gonna bite in the in the ass if you don't keep on finishing these chances. And when you get to the last stage of the the season, especially if you want to compete, which you know, they are the minute. So if they had a Harry Kane type finisher. You know they would be they would be competing all season, but you just worry about they need that striker to be scoring 15 20 goals, and that the chance needs to be taking them chances. But yeah, the, to answer your question, yeah, they've been really good so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, Theo Richardson, this because I think after the international break, obviously, we see us pictured crying on the um the bench after he got taken off in the Brazil game, um, came back and scored. In a comeback win, it looked like, you know, not even looked like, I know the players will rally around him and look like maybe that's a confidence boost. But what is the the main quality that he's missing? When you when you watch his overall game, yes, he's not the best of finishers, but it's, what's the thing that's not clicking that makes him be essentially a negative even when Spurs are playing so good? I think it's just the goals. I think it just comes down to the fact that, I mean, Saturday, he should have, he should have had a goal. I mean, let's be honest, but... I just think sometimes his decision-making isn't the best as well. Um, but it's difficult for him. I feel like, obviously, with Harry Kane going, a lot of pressure's on him as well as Son as well. But I feel like there's more pressure on him now. But he's got, he's got to be taking his chances. He's not playing for Everton anymore, with no disrespect to Everton. He's at a club that 
the expectations are going to be a lot higher than what they were at Everton. And he could kind of hide a little bit more, I think, when he was there. Whereas at Tottenham now, especially with Harry Kane gone, there's going to be an expectation that he's got to chip in with the goals. He has to chip in with them. You, you can't expect Son to do all of it, all of the work in terms of scoring goals. So he has to come in. He has to. He just has to get that one goal. You know what I mean? A couple of goals under his belt, get a bit of confidence, and then look. The, they've got a good manager, Spurs. So I think if there's anyone possibly to get the best out of Richarlison, it's probably going to be the manager they got now. So he's just got to score. <laughs> that's his, that's the job he's got. Not his ultimate job, but everything else he does, I like him. I've always said I like Richarlison. I just think he needs to be able to score more goals. You yeah. know, I think he's a really good player. I think he was good at Everton. I just think he, he's the goal scoring side. Is, and it's weird because when he plays for Brazil, I feel like he's a different player. <laughs> I don't know if it's just the difference of the players that he's got around him, but there's, there's so many things that you see about him. You just think, what a player. And then he comes back to the Premier League and he's, he's just, I don't know, just something different about him. But he's got to score goals. That's, that's For me, he's got to just put the ball in the back of the net. Could be an element of freedom, I guess, with with Brazil. Because when you play in your Possibly. country, you know, um, I guess they're given free reign to go out there and express themselves. You know, Brazil mm. always have the type of way, even if they don't have the flair or the levels of flair of the players of yesteryear, you know, you still have the freedom of them wanting to play and entertain. And maybe he has that as well. But we are talking about a player that's made, made moves of £50 million twice in English football to Everton from Watford and then Everton to Tottenham. So maybe he's feeling that pressure. Um, Basil. I'm going to allow you to not praise Tottenham. I thought it was going to be a bit um, naughty to you, but I thought I'd give you the chance to not praise Tottenham. Um, Bissouma, discuss. Because I, I, I don't understand why a yellow-carded player would decide to dive and risk putting his team in danger of getting a result. I, I don't understand that, and I've never understood it, especially when it wasn't even for a penalty. It was for a free kick. Um I honestly have no words. I can't explain what was going through his mind. Um, and as soon as the referee was pulling his, his, his hand in his pocket for that second card, he knew. Um, which is quite disappointing because, in fairness, he is a very good player and has actually started well for Tottenham this season. And he was a very good um, player at Brighton. Took quite some time to settle, but I think this season, under a manager who kind of has faith and trust in him, we've seen like what he's capable of and the best of him. Mm. Um just quickly in regards to Tottenham, I think results have gone well. I give them that, but I do think <laughs> I do think there is a period where probably that luck is going to run out because I, I don't think they played well in all of the games which they've got results mm. in. I think they they have been shaky moments and they have kind of just squeezed results, um, which in a way is a good thing. Um, and I think I would say it would be a good thing if you have like the depth. I think my worry for Spurs is that they don't really have the depth. So sometimes if that starting 11 isn't working well, I do question whether they do have people on the bench who can help them drag them out of like troublesome um, troublesome matches. Um, so I do question whether the depth will, will, will count against them long-term in the season. But at the moment, I'll say that they're doing very well. Football's improved and they're, they're, they're getting results, which is the most important thing. It's nice to know. But personally, the funny thing is that people accept, I personally don't hate Tottenham too much, personally, as an Arsenal fan, just mm. because, and the reason why is because obviously growing up, I only had one Tottenham fan um, in school. And obviously, oh, Manchester nice. United for me was the main rivals. So I don't really have like the hate that some Arsenal fans do. They're still the rivals, yeah. but I can, I'm one who can praise Tottenham when they do deserve praise. That's right. Well, you use the you use the words um the, my worry for Tottenham. So it's nice that you care about them. That's that's nice. Um, <laughs> Callum, uh, quickly before we move on from Spurs, um, 
Ange, just quickly on him quickly, and um, and Madison actually as well. Um, just their impact on the team as well, and actually how much this helps Son because. Personally, I'm just going to say this. I'll be very honest with you. I'm sure you've heard it from me before anyway. I've been a bit hot and cold on Son just because I feel like he has moments of inconsistency, which annoys me because a player of that quality, I know you can't be 100% every game, but I just want you to, you know, just maintain a standard. And I feel like he's on one season, then next season he's on, but then off again. But, you know, Madison, Son, that connection, and Ange, just how impressed are you by everything that's happening around there? Yeah, I mean, starting with Ange, it's, it's difficult not to be impressed. I think when he came in, no one really had expectations. But at the time, I was saying it was the right appointment because prior to that, we had Conte and Mourinho, two big managers with winning CVs, and it didn't work. So I think I was at a point where I was ready to start again with a new manager who's, for the first time in a while, not bigger than the club in a way and with no pressure on him. And he's come in and he's done as good of a job as, as anyone could expect. The football we're playing is beautiful. And finally, it feels like Spurs fans have got their Tottenham back. And I know that, you know, the media are trying to do this whole Tottenham aren't in a title race thing. For me personally, I think the title race conversation shouldn't even exist this early into the season anyway. That should be towards the last 10 games or so. And, you know, to clarify, we're absolutely not in a title race and we won't be come the end of the season. I don't think any Spurs, any sane Spurs fan expects that because... You know, we're at the start of a rebuild. We have, like Basil said, we have no depth in our squad. If Madison or someone were to get injured, season's done ultimately. But Andrew's done as well as he can with, with the squad that he has. And I'm impressed at how well he's got us playing. And then with Madison, everyone knew he was good when he was at Leicester. But to be honest, I didn't think he was he was as good as, he, as he's shown that he is now. You know, we know that he chips in with goals and assists at Leicester. But I think his general play in terms of bringing a ball up from midfield to attack, Feeling, feeling in tight spaces. I think Madison's just been superb and, and by far signing of the summer. So very impressed with him. I hope we can wrap him in cotton wool, especially this international break. I heard he's been playing through injuries, as has Son. So, yeah, I'm hoping they don't get many minutes over the next couple of weeks because, like I said, without them two, then we haven't got much right now. So, yeah, very impressed all round, to be honest. It's, it's a change that I can come on a podcast and be happy for once. <laughs> that's true Venice that's what you said I, I, I knew that Madison was that good I actually wanted him at Arsenal um, as soon as Leicester got relegated and obviously he would have been like the perfect signing for us ahead of wasting money on Kai Havertz because you know he, I saw how good he was at Leicester and he was the type of player you think if you put him around better players in a better season in a team that is more competitive week in week out you'll see the best out of him and he's doing just that at Tottenham. So, yeah. Like I said, for me, that is probably one of the best signings of the summer. Um, like, great business from Spurs in terms of um, snapping him up when he did. Yeah, I mean, Roger, you mentioned um, that you would have won in Madison as well at United. I mean, wondering why United I, I'd like to. When, I remember the first time I seen him. It was at Old Trafford Live, actually, when we played, were playing uh, when Norwich got promoted and we played him mm. first game and he was he was brilliant then. But, yeah, he's, he's a real footballer. Always looking, on, always looking to get on the ball, always looking to go forward. Um, not slow. No, he's not quick, but he's not slow. Um, yeah, he's he's, he's, a, he's a really good midfielder. Really good, really good. Well, Spurs are done. It's top of the table. Good for them. Um, move on quickly to the rest of the games. Bournemouth were absolutely manhandled by Luton's um, children, Everton. 3-0 at home. Uh, Crystal Palace and Nottingham Forest, nothing to speak about there. Complete nil-nil draw. Fulham dealt with Sheffield United 3-1. Let's go Burnley-Chelsea. Theo. 
Smile, man. Yeah, man, no, I am. <laughs> internally, I, internally, I'm smiling. Yeah, good, good win. result. Yeah. yeah, good win. Um, it's been a, uh, it's been an awkward start for you guys, mm. uh, to the season. But I think I told you anyway that I think there's a period of time where your results will start coming, and it'll be soon. And you've got a couple of wins on the bounce now. Um, but just on this result alone, anyway. Just um, what was the point that you you caught out Burnley? What was the moment where you said, "Yeah, we've got them by the scruff of the neck"? Because obviously they took the lead, but you got back into the game quick enough, anyway. Yeah, just before half time. So I think I think Sterling was the threat down the left side. I think from throughout the game, even before they scored, you could see that Raheem Sterling was the one that was going to make a difference in the game. He had a really good chance in the first half, just a bit unlucky, taking on the def- defenders. And um, I think it was just, to be fair, when they went 1-0 up, I'll be honest, I thought, yeah, here we, here we go. <laughs> how, how many are they going to score? Because that's just been the pattern of our games recently. So mm. to, to see the fight back in the team was good. Um, but yeah, I think just before half-time with Sterling getting that goal or the own goal from, from the Sterling cross, I think that helped just boost us for the second half because I think the first half we were poor and I think we allowed Burnley to, to sort of dominate the game a bit too much. I mean, their goal was avoidable. You know, you think about it, it was on the counter-attack and our defence was just at sixes and sevens. They just weren't, weren't it's just a, it's just an avoidable goal. Um, but in the second half, I thought against Sterling, Cole Palmer, who I've been impressed with, watched him a lot for City, even the development squad when he was coming through. Um, I just, yeah, we just clicked in the second half. Um, it's good to see Cole Palmer get his goal, from the, albeit from the penalty spot. And then obviously Nicholas Jackson, another player that's, low on confidence, needed a goal. Um, competition now with Brozier back in the team as well. So I thought I thought it was impressive. I think that's the first time I was, I was reading, um, the first time we scored um, a big win like that since Southampton, 6-0. So that was probably Ooh. 2022, 2020, I think it's 2022, we, we beat Southampton 6-0. So, and obviously three back-to-back victories is something that, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have been, I would have slapped you in the face if you said that we would have only got three back-to-back victories recently. We should have been doing that before, but as times have struggled recently. So I just think we, it's going to be hard for us now because obviously the, the international break for me has come at the wrong time. We're, we're building a bit of momentum. We've got some really good, tough fixtures coming up, but good fixtures as well. And to have that international break come now, two things. One, injuries, like our medical room, they must be building an extra one somewhere because the amount of injuries you pick up throughout the season is mad. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, hopefully everyone comes back injury-free and we can kick on again. Um, we've got Arsenal, obviously, next next big, like the next game's Arsenal. So we, we just need to, we need to build on that momentum. And to be fair, Burnley, credit to them because they're not playing how Sean Dyche used to have them playing. You know, company's got them playing a different style of football. And I can kind of see what they're doing. I just think they're going to struggle this season because they just don't, for me, don't have the, the quality of players that can sustain a, a Premier League season. But... We're going to come up against tougher tests this season, obviously. So, you know, when we play people like Fulham, who we should be beating, Nottingham Forest, who we lost to, but should be beaten, Burnley, we should be beating them. I think Arsenal's going to be the biggest test in a couple of weeks. Um, you made a point there about Burnley and company. Um, Rodri, uh, is company making a mistake here, continuing to try and continue with this brand of football, which I understand is his style is his philosophy but if it's not working surely there should be another alternative because he keeps changing players the lineups are not consistent but you're still not getting any results where does where does it stop um 
the problem is you've got what other teams have done it. Brentford recently, Leeds, Bournemouth. But I don't think Burnley have that quality that they did. Mm. You no, know, Brentford, mm. Ivan Tony, Christian Eriksen. Um, don't think Burnley have got that. Is it? Is it a risk? Yes, but you know, that's the way he wants to play. That's the way he's got promoted at Canter as well. So yeah. uh, to change it would be probably worse. So you've just got to stick by your guns, be confident. You know, when we played them, we, we were lucky to beat them, really. Yeah, true. So they are playing good, but I just don't, just like what Theo said, I just don't think they have that quality in depth to sustain a season in the Premier League. You know, it's a tough league. It's not the championship. We've seen it how many times the teams have won the championship by Canton and struggle the next year in the Premier League. We've seen it before. But um, will there be three teams that worse than them? Probably. Luton, Sheffield United. Everton? Hmm. Everton seems to have picked up a little bit. Though, mm. Bour- Bournemouth is another one, I think. Bournemouth. So there's going to be a fight between about four or five teams, isn't there? So... It's, it's if they can win that. I, I would probably bet yes, because what I've seen so far that you know he, he's a good coach. They all seem to be going in the right direction. You just need someone up top to put the ball balls in, in the put the ball in the net. But yeah. Um, yeah, they've just got to stick by the guns. This is the way you're going to play. You, you can't change it. Um, so yeah, that's a your question. Yeah, that's fair, uh, Callum. You will definitely know Pochettino best out of all of us. He was a manager for, what was it, four, five years? Five years? Uh, yeah, five years or so, I yeah, think. Five years, yeah. Um, relatively successful if you want to talk about, you know, title challenges, Champions League, um, content, or, well, um, well, I can't, my English is gone. Qualify for the Champions League year upon year out is what I meant to say. Um, but looking at his Chelsea run so far, now you know him best. His style of football, his approach to using younger players, which obviously Spurs, um, Spurs, Chelsea have used uh, a lot of their money on buying a lot of younger players. Are you looking at his situation and saying, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I should relax a little bit, things will be fine knowing what he can do? Or are you looking at him and saying something's not completely clicking just yet? I think from a Spurs perspective, the way Chelsea have started the season brings me immense joy. You know, seeing them lose so many games at the start of the season, beautiful to see. And I'm enjoying it while I can because I do think it's all going to click into place. I mean, they've signed so many new players over the last few windows, so many young players, like you said, that, you know, they were never going to, you know, everyone's never going to hit the ground running. They've had so many injuries as well that it's no surprise that they've started the season in the way they have. But I do think Pochettino's the right man to, you know, once everyone's back from injury, he can start really working through the squad, getting to know all the players and how they play. I feel like, I don't know how long it's going to take. Maybe it takes a season. Maybe it takes two seasons. But sometime in the future, Chelsea are going to be very scary with all these signings. So, where they've started now, I'm just enjoying it for as long as it lasts. And yeah, I do think, you know, Pochettino is very good with young players. He does play a very good brand of football. You know, albeit he does make some questionable decisions like he did at Spurs and I'm seeing a lot of Chelsea fans aren't happy with the way he's got Chilwell playing left wing and, and things like that. But if I was a Chelsea fan, which I thank God I'm not, I would trust him. I would trust him going forward. <laughs> uh, Basil, as Theo said, you guys are approaching a fixture with Chelsea very, very soon. 
Um, genuine feelings towards that game, looking at how they've performed so far? Uh, we should get three points. I, I, I personally, Chelsea have bigger problems, more problems that people are overlooking. First of all, my staff, I don't rate Pochettino that highly. I think um, the two things Callum said is correct in terms of he works well with young players. Um, he has a good brand of football, but I think tactically has always been found wanting. And I think even when I look at his um, PSG stint, it told me one thing that he doesn't know how to handle big players with big personalities, which is why he works well with the younger players, personally. Um, I think Chelsea have bigger problems, irrespective of the injuries. And I've been saying this for a long time. They've got too many players to work with. And that, for me, doesn't matter what managers is there, is, is anybody's nightmare. Because the issue you're going to find is that the players they've brought in, they they brought them in with the mindset that they want to be first team players. Now, at some point, he's going to have to settle with a stable 12 or 13 that he's going to trust. What happens to the other players? And you're not talking about players who are on three, four-year contracts. You're talking about players on seven-year contracts. So when they're unhappy, that creates problems in the clubs, at the club. And then how do you shift players who are on that length of contract when things, go, when things get tough? I personally don't think Chelsea will do well over a long period of time because I think they just have too many players to create a stable environment for players. To, no, to create a stable environment for the players to thrive because I think that squad is, is too unmanageable, which we've seen last season and we've seen also at the start of this season because obviously as much as Pochettino has complained about the injuries, he still has enough players to make a selection for, from. And so the issue is when the other players return, what happens then? Like someone like Mudrik can't even get a run of three, four games, you know. Um, you know, there's other players um, that they bring can't get a run of three or four games. How do you manage that squad? In terms of the match against Arsenal, I'm very confident that will be Chelsea. I don't rate Chelsea at all. I think some of their victories, they're, just, they're getting it just by the skin of their teeth. I'm not that impressed with them because I don't feel the players as a whole have fully gelled yet. And I question whether the players will fully gel because at some, like I said, at some point you're going to have to pick a stable 12 and then the rest, how do you manage players? Because you can have players where they're happy to accept being squad players, but I don't think they've brought in these players with the idea that they're happy to be squad players. So we'll see what happens there. Fair, fair. Phil? No, I, I mean, I... I... I don't really I agree, agree with some of that, but I don't because we lost a lot of players in the summer. You know, you look at our midfield, our midfield was gone. Kovacic, Ruben Loftus Street, Christian Pulisic went, um, Callum Hudson Adoy. So there's a lot of players that left as well. And these guys were well, they weren't regulars, I guess. You can question they, they whether they were. A lot players. of them were, you know, a lot of them were. A lot of them played a good chunk of football. Um, obviously, Callum Hudson Odoi was on loan, but even Kulabali went. You know, we lost Aspilicueta, so we brought players in, but a lot of players have also left as well. So mm. I think we've kind of balanced that in terms of the, the the numbers in the team. And I think some of these players, what I will say is, a lot of these players I think have been brought in based on potential, not what can they actually do right now. And that's a worry because you know you, you want to if you're going to have someone on an eight year, seven year deal, you want to have some sort of understanding that they're going to have a level of quality that's going to be able to compete in the Premier League or in the Champions League eventually, hopefully, or a European competition. If they can't do that and you've got a player that's going to be sitting there, you know, we've seen it before with a lot of these players like Bakayoko's and certain players that we've had at the club previously where they've just, you know, walked, walked down their contracts. Um, Ross Barkley was one of them. He had to get his, ter his contract terminated eventually, but that worries me. But in terms of the, the quality that we've got now, I think we've balanced out the squad. The, for me personally, the numbers... Um, my only other issue is that we still need a goalkeeper for me. 
a, a number one of a top quality because as, although Sanchez is playing well, I wouldn't say that he's going to be able to push us if we want to go, go for a Premier League or if we want to try and get back into European football. I don't think he's the goalkeeper. I don't think we've got a striker. So it's a worry that we spent a billion pounds and we still have to question where's the striker, where's the goalkeeper after that. That's how I spent the transfer strategy at the very start of this when we were signing Kukurea, you know, when we signed all these players, Kulabali, who has been and gone, it wasn't there. There was no transfer strategy. So that worries me. But I think it's just going to be a patient game. You know, if you're a Chelsea fan, you have to be in this for the next five, six, seven years and just see how it plans out. If you don't want to do that, then you better find a new sport to, to watch and follow. Theo, would you take the gear? <laughs> Someone else asked me this. Uh, do you know what? If he was if he was ten years younger, I'd probably say yeah. But the, the time, I mean, he was on big wages at United, wasn't he? As well, I yeah. can't imagine him wanting yeah. to even shift five percent of his wage. I think he's still. I think that's why a club hasn't touched him. Well, to be fair, he agreed to a, a more than fifty percent of a wage cut at United, and they kind of took that away from him again. So. Mm. Maybe with what, with what bonuses though on, on top of that? Oh, I'm not involved in those ones. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wouldn't no take him. Fee either. He'd be coming up free, so there's not the fee you'd have to pay. There I would take him. Oh. I would take him. <laughs> uh, to, to be fair, I think I think the way that the club's going at the moment, and obviously the, the vision that they've got, they want to sign anyone that's below you know 23 or younger, which it might work. But there's a massive chance that it's not going to work. So you can't do oh, that for number me. two. Well, we've got a number two. <laughs> We've got a number two, but who's number two? Well, you got you got Bettinelli, you got Petrovic, who just come in as well. Yeah. Um, so he he's only played one game. I think he played in the Carabao Cup recently. But we need a, a solid goalkeeper, and De Gea is a very or has been a very good goalkeeper, and still is to to be fair. But in terms of the vision of the club, I can see them looking for someone a bit younger. Um, and obviously, we have got to remember Kepa's still. I mean, I know he's on loan, but he's still a, he's still a Chelsea goalkeeper. So have to see how that goes as well. Yeah. True. All right. Well, ah, a club that spent a billion but not happy with their squad. Where does that sound familiar? Um, let's go from turf more to the theatre of drama. Rodri, uh, a win for United after what was it? Five losses in seven games. So now it's five losses in eight games, but it's a win nonetheless. Three points on the sheet. Um, Firstly, thoughts on the game. Were you, I mean, leading up to the goal anyway, that we may not equalised, it was looking like another day of just United, just, I guess, being united. What were your thoughts? Yeah, the same. Just uh, just rinse and repeat. That's what I thought it was going to be. But, you know, give it, giving credit. Uh, Scott McTominay coming on and, and saving the day, really. But, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs at the minute. Um I've been fortunate to see a lot of good players at Old Trafford. There's, there's, there's not a lot there at the minute. Um, but it's it's been better than it was. I have no way would have thought to myself I would prefer Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire at the start of the season. But that's where we're at at the minute. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's worrying. It's worrying because all these teams that, you know, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, they're all getting better and they all will get better. So, um, and we've spent a lot of money and a lot of money on on crap, basically. Um, or players that are, that 
that are just not really that good. Mm. Um, I like the look of Amrabat. Uh, we need to get the left back back really quickly because that's the problem. But yeah, Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans are best centre halves at the minute. That's where uh, Manchester United's at. So the young, the young kid looks decent. The wingers yeah. are terrible. <laughs> uh, Anthony, terrible. Yeah. Sancho, just a baby. Rashford, just open the gate, just run through it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of money spent there, and they're all crap. And that's yeah. the what. That's all. I'm only going off the wingers I've seen in the last thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Nanny, Nanny would walk through all of them and get and be a starter. So, and he wasn't that great at United. So. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> not, not, even that's after a win as well. But um, yeah. we'll just end on a positive with a two-one win, and hopefully they come back. You know, we've got Sheffield United, and we've got yeah. City at home. So, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> so we'll see where we're at there because usually we get a tonking, especially when we're at home as well. So we'll see where we're at. Hopefully, we've got the players back and we can kind of put up a good fight, but. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. No, 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 never am I. Never am I. If I can put my two pairs in here real quick. I have been utterly stressed looking at this team for the last, God, I don't even know how long it's been. Um, I'll put it to you like this. This podcast was supposed to start about four weeks earlier. I haven't been in the mood. I haven't been in the mood. I just, I just decided, you know what? Let's let's get this going now. And luckily for me, we actually got to go on. But I still, I celebrated because it's you know it's a last minute winner. Of course, you're gonna celebrate that. But you wake up on the Sunday, you're like, wow, man, we're still doing this. You just don't. It's not that. a celebration. It's called it's relief. It's more yeah. relief than celebration. It's like ah, don't have to take shit at work for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kid you not. But one of my bosses is a Man City fan, and he uh, opened the door walked into the office and he saw me from a distance and he because they lost which we'll get to you but because they lost he just turned around and went straight to the kitchen i said like, this is a nice feeling <laughs> this is nice i'd have to go there and be like he's like oh how's your weekend uh don't 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 do that you know it's nice um but yes it's, it is relief it is relief relief is the truth um we're struggling badly and you can say there's a number of things injuries uh lack of cohesion but may not have had lack of cohesion for the last when do we win the league? 2013? So 2014 onwards, I guess. So what, nine years? Just been a joke all over the board. But um, hopefully they can go into the, the, the international break smiling and come back into a bit of form and hopefully beat um, Sheffield United before the doomsday match against Man City. But um, Basil, I'll ask you, because I, I don't want to get into the negatives, but I have to ask the question. It's been a long time since we've done this podcast. A lot of United fans and a lot of yeah. football fans in general are starting to really, really be irritated by the performances of Bruno Fernandes. Um, I am going to ask this question. Give me as, as, as honest an answer as you can give me. Is Bruno Fernandes a massive problem to this Manchester United side or are our signings in and around him been a detriment to him being as productive as he can be for United. No, uh, Bruno. Bruno is an enigma. To, it's not straightforward to assess Bruno. Ultimately, I'll say this: Bruno is not a, a good footballer because, in his mind, he wants to attempt things. 
his execution of things is very, very poor. What Bruno is, he's an effective player for you. He's very effective in terms of he will always create a chance or be in a position to score goals. But as an overall footballer, he's a very poor footballer. He doesn't keep the ball well. His passing isn't great. His execution of things just isn't great. What he is, is he has numbers to back him up. But if you look at his performances as a whole, not good. And I think ultimately managers have been misusing Bruno because I wouldn't play Bruno in big games. I think Bruno is well adept to play maybe when you're playing the smaller teams. But when it comes to the big games and you're asking him to become influential, just doesn't happen. And that's the issue is that Bruno just isn't influential in the most important games. So he's an enigma in terms of he can create something for you and he can score you a goal. But if you look at his overall performance, it's always wanting. And yeah, like I, 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 I don't know how to describe Bruno because like I said, he can come up with a goal, create a chance. But then at the same time, if you're watching for a whole 90 minutes, he's a very, very frustrating player to watch. So is, is one of those, do you, do you keep him because he can score a goal or do you take him off because he's not that effective in a game? And, and that's the conundrum with Bruno. So I personally don't know how to describe Bruno because he can be effective, but for most parts, ineffective. But it, yeah. it's, it's a weird one. But I'll say this before I hand over to anyone else. i said the biggest issue United had was their summer signings. I remember when they were making signings, People were praising it. I said, absolutely not. I said, because they targeted the wrong areas. One, you didn't need a goalkeeper um, for me because that wasn't mm-hmm. a priority position. Mm-hmm. You basically got rid of De Gea, who, and I say it to a lot of people, who saved you a lot of points. Yes, he made mistakes, but he, he made a lot of worldly saves and saved you a lot of points. You replaced him with Anana, who's good with his feet, but I said, he's not a great goalkeeper. So the points that De Gea saves you, he won't save, he, he won't save you. Then you're wasting money on Mason Mount, which I don't think was the right profile for you. And mm. then Hoyland, you know, remains to be seen how he adapts. So in, in, in the end, I looked at it and said, it's still the same United squad from last season. So I don't think you've really strengthened effectively. And I think that's the reason why we're, st- we're seeing United in the slump that they're in, because it's still effectively the same players that you've had over the last year or two. I might, I might be the. I, I, I don't know how you feel, Roger. I might be the only man that fan that doesn't have an issue with Mason Mount yet. What does he do for you? No, no. This is the thing. This is the thing. Is <laughs> he's not done. He hasn't done much for us, but I don't feel like we have used him, or we're not playing him in a way that would maximize what he can give. Fingers. Mm. I, I, I struggle to look at football recently, these days because I know football is more about the systems, instruction base. It's heavy on instructions. You know, I need you to press a certain way. That's why you come into the squad. You're playing here, but I need you to do this job. I'm used to being players being told that yes, you will play in this formation. You will know your role. You know what you're doing. But there is an element of you're allowed to be creative on your feet. You know, if you feel like something's not right in the situation, go out there and do it. You know, unless uh, instead now it's if you do something and it's against the instruction given, you're punished. I don't, I don't like that. And I feel like with Mason Mount, yes, he is good at the press. So he's a, he's a pressing ma- machine, if you must. You know, um, he's he's a decent creator per se. But I don't think we're using him in a. Essentially, I'm very confused when we we're playing games and I'm seeing him. Sort of like in a much deeper role. He's a very much an advanced footballer. He's not. He's not someone that's defensively strong so you know let him press from the front and if he doesn't get there i'm not expect to see him sort of near the the d of our our box i'm expecting to see him around the halfway line where he can create a bit more damage 
and link play quickly and get moving. But that's just my thought. Um, Casemiro is a big problem for me. Look at mm. him. Uh, he's just so slow. And all of these, these midfielders in the Premier League are so athletic and quick. He's, he's so slow. Yes, the experience will get you to, to, to a certain extent. But when you've got Mason Mount and Bruno Fernandes who are erratic with their running and not staying in position, and then he, he gets isolated, people have just been killing that and just killing and making him look like a bad player. And he's not a bad player. We've seen that last year, but people are isolating him now and getting in a position where he's one-on-one. Yeah. And he's just got no chance. He's just so many times he's made errors this, this year. And it's making Bruno Fernandes, Mason Mount and others look bad as well. But it's just, yeah, with Amrabat there, now I don't think... Casemiro should be nowhere near that squad, that team in a minute. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking at this point, if I'm, once Amrabat gets fully um, sort of used to the squad, then, yeah, he'll be he'll be the man taking that spot. That's what I'm assuming anyway, but I could be wrong. Uh, Callum, and just come in, I suppose, as we spoke about earlier. He's got a brand of football going. You know, he's, he's not playing the players that he knows would essentially be a letdown. So you're not seeing Dyer in the starting eleven. Hoiberg is now a sub-player. Um, what are your thoughts on um, Eric Ten Hag? Is he is he maximizing what he can be using, or more to the point, is he as ruthless as he kind of says he is, but isn't really showing him out? Well, what do you think, anyway? I'm I'm kind of torn on Ten Hag. I'm more when I think about Man United, I'm more look about the issues in terms of players. Hmm. I feel like they've got a whole heap of issues right now. I mean, off the field stuff with Sancho and whatnot. To be honest, I don't think Ten Hag dealt with that terribly. I know, you know, it's quite divided. People are 50-50. I don't think what he initially said was that bad. I feel like that's that's more on Sancho to kind of buck his ideas up. And essentially, at the end of the day, you've got to listen to your manager, I think. Maybe that's an old-fashioned view of things. I don't think I don't think Ten Hag was too, was too wrong in the way that he called him out. I don't think it was too disrespectful, if anything. Yeah. But in terms, of, in terms of the players on the pitch, I just feel like United's biggest issue is a lack of consistency. And we touched on Bruno Fernandes earlier, and there's quite a few aspects of Bruno that are, that are rate, but big games he goes missing, as Basil said. I mean, the best way to describe him is an enigma. It's kind of hard to pinpoint. You can't call him a world-class player at the same time he's not. I don't think he's a bad footballer at all. I think he can create a lot for United, but mm. big games he doesn't turn up. Again, lack of consistency when, when, when we talk about Rashford. He's someone that he will have six or seven game run where he's, he's banging goals and looking like one of the best players in the league. And it will go cold for four, four or five weeks. So I think when I look at the United squad, the biggest issue is consistency. Whether that's down to Ten Hag or down to the profile of players, for me, it's hard to, to really put a finger on it. But yeah, I've, United are that team that in the last few years that just haven't scared me. Yeah. And it's, and it's weird to think about that because growing up, United were the team, the team you never wanted to play. And I feel like you're, you're so far removed from that identity that, you know, it's just United haven't been United. For a long time now, so whether that's down to Ten Hag, whether that's down to the way the Glazers manage the club, whether that's down to the profile of players, I honestly couldn't tell you. I can tell you the day that I realised Man United didn't have the fear factor anymore. It's when we had Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger in midfield, and we called it Schmidfield. But um, Theo, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, final question on United, and then we'll move on. Um, I'm, I haven't really given Brentford much credit. Brentford played really well, actually. So, you know, credit to them as well. They're actually really that, good. That, that, yeah, that yeah. goalkeeper was bought off. That's all I'm saying. 
Uh, goalkeepers goalkeepers are not as good as they used to be man um uh, speaking of goalkeepers oh nana you mentioned his name at the beginning of the show um so basil said that he thinks united didn't need to address the goalkeeping issue straight away a lot of united fans will argue against that because they wanted a, a goalkeeper that could pass with his feet now the question i'm asking you is this have my united sacrificed shot stopping for passing I mean, is he is he the, is he the best distributor of the ball as well? <laughs> Possibly not. So I think ultimately you want your goalkeeper to be able to save the ball. Yeah, bonus if he can play out from the back and he's got good distribution. To me, that's a bonus. Hmm. But do you know I mean you want your goalkeeper to be able to save the ball? That's his job. So I think I think it was the right time for De Gea to move on because I think the pressure of him playing week in week out. He, he probably wanted a new challenge. Let's be honest. He wanted to go back to Spain. We knew that anyway, a couple of seasons ago when the move that didn't happen. We know that he wanted that. So I think, I think United fans have to be patient with Ronaldo. I don't think they've got a choice now. I think he's there. Um, he came with a good reputation, remember, or a, a very good, okay-ish reputation before he moved over. But, yeah. you know, he, he has made some massive mistakes in his in his early times of, as a United. But De Gea was the same, I'm sure. Was he not the same? He had a, a rough start to, the, to his United career. And then... The only difference... Everything crosses, everything crosses, wasn't it? it just yeah. But you could you could argue in De Gea's favour that he was a lot younger. So he You'd had... expect the experience to be there for no, no, okay? But Yeah. But... Goal, goalkeepers must be one of the hardest jobs on the pitch let's be honest because you you got to be like someone just said I can't remember who said it but there's not many decent goalkeepers around now to be fair there's not mm. that many um, so to answer your question yes I think they have sacrificed that but at the same time just give him time give him patience this is what his first season how many games yeah. has he played what 10 taking away the Euro- Europa game uh, keep saying Europa the Champions League I'm just used to United being in Europa but the, cha- <laughs> the Champions that's League games that's not good games. to hear from you man I know, I know, sorry. <laughs> but all back fours as he had in front of him as well yeah yeah, yeah. it's true it's true yeah. but I do want to I do, I do want to say McTominay now I, I think one of the comments said but yeah I've, I've always been a big believer in McTominay you know I think he needs to play more for United I know United fans probably won't agree with that but for me and I'm not saying that because he scored the two goals I've been saying this for, for two, three years now, two years at least. Mm. But he's someone that should be in that team for me. And I don't know why he doesn't get games. Maybe I'm not watching on... The problem problem is not there, is that he's he's attached to Fred in it. Yeah, but that's that's the only thing I can think of why he doesn't get games is because of how he played when he was alongside Fred. But he's a good he's a good player. He really he is. is he is a good player. He's not a very good footballer, but he's strong, he's quick, and he's, he's got an engine on him. He just, goal, he, just goal, he does what he needs to do, and that's what I think United needs someone who's able to just get the job done. Not none yeah. of these flashy Mesa Mart players. And I mean, how much did you pay for Mesa Mart? I mean, oh, that's that's looking like a where's the receipt? Because we need to send him back. <laughs> that's up there with habits. Yeah, side. that's what I mean. Yeah, we, we, I we sold you short there, but sixty million. Where have you got that from? Yeah, so Tio, would you would you would you take him at Chelsea? Who McTominay? Yeah, McTominay. We've just spent a billion pounds. We can't <laughs> because, because because the thing is the thing is, is I say this sometimes people say it's certain players should play in teams. I think it's quite sad an indictment because it it shows how the levels are falling. Because if I compare McTominay to to what United used to be. He wouldn't be nowhere near that squad. 
we're yeah. seeing sometimes we drop our standards to say certain players should be playing and we're like no they shouldn't be of the quality to be at that club in the first place and maybe this is me being harsh but you look at city and the standard they've set you have to be of a certain standard or else you're not playing out of the club look at someone like calvin phillips they spent how much on him Peppers has realized very quickly you're not of the standard he's not playing games and I think, I think City's clubs... different though. Is City, not City, no, City's slightly different to, to well, what like United's levels have dropped. So I think that's just the reality of the club. They're they're not they're not well, the, the team they were. So I think they are. He is he is the player that should be in that team because of where United no disrespect to United, but that's where they are. Like Chelsea. If someone said so yeah, if you to answer your question, if we hadn't spent a billion pounds, Matomini probably would actually fit into Chelsea's squad because of where I we are. In certain games McTominay would be a good asset, asset for United, but against the better teams, he doesn't keep the ball well. He's uh, Yes, he's strong and powerful, but as a footballer, technically, mm. yeah. No, but who does in your team at the moment? I suppose that's the question. You go back over the years and think, would he get in at that midfield? It's tough to even put him in the squad. So, like, it's like Basil says, that, that it's amazing how you standards at drop but you know and he's come through the ranks as well but mm-hmm. yeah he's i can remember one good game playing against barcelona you know that was about yeah, three yeah. years ago yeah well i guess we'll move on from united um let's go brighton liverpool shall we just briefly on that one as well because we need to be cautious of time and the big game coming up as well uh Firstly, uh, let's go Callum. Liverpool, fourth. So they're not in bad, they're not in a bad position. Um, getting a decent amount of results in so far. Um, I don't know if you saw the alleged handball by... Nah, I didn't. Like I said, I didn't manage to, I didn't get time. Yeah, so, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll give you a description that you can just say if it's a penalty or not, because we know the laws now. But ball struck in, hits his thigh. Here's his forearm. Penalty or not? Nah. There you go. That's it. That's simple as that. That being said, no. After the order, hurrah of Liverpool, who were wrong, wrongfully denied a goal at Spurs, and somehow still managed to make themselves the villains of the story by their fans being stupidly annoying. When's the replay? Well, it, I'm waiting oh. for that game. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's still going on about it? They're still talking about it. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, um. <laughs> They were given the right decision in this one. Um, Brighton as well, though. But I wanted, to, I, want, I do want to discuss Brighton more, more than Liverpool, to be completely honest, because Brighton are a team who we are, we all are, we're a good team. They've managed to buy some good players over the times when they lose a player, they bring another player in. Looks like the spoke on the world just keeps turning. Um, but for you, Callum, the way they started the season, inconsistent in Europe, do you think they've hit a ceiling and they're struggling to sort of adapt to their new? surroundings of being in European competition as well as being a domestic team? I mean, I think it's weird to me that I feel like all of a sudden people are turning on Brighton. I think the last few years, everyone's kind of been a fan of the way Brighton have been playing and mm. they've kind of been that underdog team that have been playing well and everyone likes. But you know, I've seen people saying they're getting too big for their boots, their social media admins taking digs at, I think it's taking digs at Onana and other, other clubs over the last few weeks. Ultimately, they're still they're still doing well in the prem. I think they've only lost what was it? They've only lost two games so far, yeah. and they won four or five or something. I think they've started decently, and I don't know how they how they keep maintaining it. I feel like every season, Brighton lose 
two or three of their big biggest and best players and they still kind of remain somewhat consistent, still stay true to their identity and, and their football. So I still like Brighton and I think yeah, I've been I've been somewhat impressed with them still. The problem is there they've got they set such a high bar for themselves. Yeah. Last year. It's difficult to maintain that, like Callum says, when you lose two or three play, best players every year. Yeah. And I think for me, regardless of that, I still don't have expectations of Brighton. I still don't expect them to suddenly be competing for Europa League every season. I'm still looking at them as that underdog team. I think the difference is a lot of other people are now placing expectations on them to, to maintain staying sixth or seventh every season, despite, you know, by the end of the season, they're going to lose another couple of players. Ferguson will probably yeah. go somewhere. You know, they're going to lose players. So for me, like I said, looking at Brighton as that underdog team still, I can't not be impressed with them. Yeah, I think I think just because when you're looking at them, obviously what they did last season, they are six, so they're actually not in a terrible position at all. They're doing very well. They've started the season well. Um, and they managed to sign Ansu Fatu. He is alone, but that's a, a player with reputation. He's coming from a big team as well. So I guess for them, they're going to look, a lot of people look, will look at Brian and say, hmm, maybe you're setting pace. I will say this though, that Onana video kind of, triggered me a little bit but I, I'm, I'm gonna move past that um on to the next game newcastle found out that west ham are not psg um they drew 2-2 at the london stadium um good game good game basil expectations for newcastle this year if you are a newcastle fan what would be a good season for newcastle united I think getting to the knockout stages of Champions League is a good season considering that group. And maybe uh, sixth or seventh will be good. Um, a good finish for them. I think they did ride their luck a bit last season. And the reason I say that is because they actually had a lot of draws last season. I know mm. there was a period they had they were unbeaten, but then if you look at how many draws they had a lot. And last season was a freak season because you, you had a season where Liverpool were bad, Chelsea were bad, and Manchester United were bad. Obviously, they'll probably pick things up. Um, you're waiting for the likes of Chelsea and Manchester United to get going um, at some point. <laughs> um, but like I said, the likes of Brighton are there. Aston Villa are there, um, who are a lot more competitive. Um, so they're not going to get all their way um, this season. Um, I think if they finish anywhere between five and fifth and seventh, it's still a good season. Because even though they've got to the Champions League, I don't think... Is about getting their consistency and i don't know if they have the squad yet to be a consistent top four challenge challenging team um mm. so i think ultimately they should temper the expectations and be and be looking for steady progress and steady progress is consistently being a top seven team and then taking the next steps to challenge effectively for top four so i, I think i think uh, newcastle have a good squad good squad ethos i don't think they have the array of quality of players overall they have good quality, but I mean, I mean, I mean, they don't have the 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 depth in quality squad-wise. And there's still a few players who I don't think are up to the standard. But I think as a as a good team and a team ethos is good, and they've got a decent manager. But I think yeah, six or seven, anywhere between fifth and seven for me will be a good finish for Newcastle. Yeah, well, I mean, we are at this point all aware that the Champions League format changes next season, so I believe the top five English teams would go through. Um, uh, to the knockout so it would be interesting fifth is now an interesting spot as well I, I, at this point they're gonna start calling it a top eight or something so i'm even getting tired um <laughs> but it's infuriating um theo west ham um 
Truth be told, I just want to ask about David Moyes actually, and it's, not, it's nothing bad. I think it's, they've started the season decently as well in Europe. They're they're quite comfortable, um, and he's made some good signings as well. In um, what's his name, Ward Prowse coming in as well in particular. Mm. But looking at how they're playing, is there an element of them still missing Declan Rice, or has Alvarez came in and sort of just put his stamp in the team and said, "Let's go from here." I think they're doing all right. Where are they? they they're seventh in the league, I think. Mm. Um, I think they're okay. I think, I think they're a team very much like Brighton for me. I don't expect them to be seventh in the league at this point. To be fair, um, I think David Moyes, to be fair, again is a good manager. I think that's kind of his level. I think he has obviously managed higher than that with United, but I do think this is probably his level. And he done really well. Well, West Ham done really well last season, so. I think I don't think they're missing Declan Rice. Uh, I like Kudus as well. I think he's a he's a good player. Um, yeah, I mean he's a really good player. So um, I think he scored as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Lovely the weekend. So Lovely yeah, goal. really good goal. So I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be fine. Um, I, I, like I said, I like David Moyes. I think he's a good manager. Um, but early days still. There's there's another team, West London team, that will hopefully be <laughs> in and amongst the seventh or sixth place come the end of this season. So we'll see. Ah, it's early. You might still you might still be in the top five. You just never know. Football football changes. I'll take the top half of the table right now, to be fair. Yes, I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. Um let's go to oh Wolves and Aston Villa drew one one. Lovely. Right, let's go to the big game. Let's go to the big, big game of the weekend. That was Arsenal versus Manchester City, which ended 1-0 to the Arsenal. Another last-minute deflected goal. But I always say this, you create your own luck in football. And Martelier took the shot. Deflection is not his It's not his problem. The three points are his problem, and Arsenal can wave all three points. Finally, I think since 2017, they haven't beaten Man City. So getting a result, a positive result, big win for them. Um can't say it much about a title race, but it is, I guess, first blood if you're talking about in a or first round shots anyway, if you're talking about in a boxing capacity. Um, Basil, let's start with your team first. You were very, very happy, of course. I can see the smile on your face from a mile away when that game was finished. I, I wanted to cut, I wanted to text your friend, my cousin. I didn't want to message him after. <laughs> um, but anyway, good result. Yeah. But just looking at the aspects of the game, did you feel like it was a a chess match, or do you think there was a game sort of just lacking a bit of quality, at least until the end, anyway? Yeah, definitely wasn't a chess match. Definitely one of the worst games of football I've watched in a very long time, um, yeah. on a personal. I think what that game showed, I think that game was is indicative of where football kind of is now, personally, in terms of there's no individual star brilliance from players of that much. You don't have players who can kind of just get you off your feet, take the, take the game out of the scruff of the neck and be the one to, 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 to lead the team to something. I didn't see that from any player at City in that game. And I didn't see it from Arsenal. I think, as you said, you mentioned it earlier that games now is about tactics and instructions and less about kind of players um, being a bit more creative or having that individualism to, to, to be the main star in that game. And watching that game, that was one thing I, I noticed. Um, Arsenal definitely did well. Um, I think it's probably the best we've kept possession against Manchester City in a long time. Sometimes we keep possession for possession's sake, but we struggle to do anything with the ball. I think in the early parts, we definitely struggled in terms of the press with City because there's a lot of times maybe the ball didn't go forward as much. But I think we're, we're quite comfortable in possession. 
And usually against City, we're definitely not. We're definitely like bullied position-wise against City. Uh, another thing I didn't notice is that I don't think City are the same. I think some of the players they've sold, I know they did have a few injuries, but I think some of the players they've sold has come back to hurt them. I think the likes of Mares losing him is, is key because he offers you something different. Losing Gundogan is key because he offers you something different. And what that means is that when City have injuries, it impacts them a lot more than it did in the past. Because obviously losing the likes of Rodri and De Bruyne um, in that game was quite key. And in the past, they could they, they could easily have lost those players and still gone about their business and claimed that victory. And I think losing those kind of players, I think it's hurt them a bit more than they were expecting because certain players who are there just... The manager doesn't trust them. So with Rodri being out, that should be it should be a shoo-in for the likes of Calvin Phillips to come into the squad. But clearly the manager doesn't trust him or think he's of the quality to put him in that kind of match. Instead he's having to play Rico Rico Lewis there. And then, you know, left back, I think was it um Guardiola that played left back yes. um, yeah. that game. So you can see that maybe the depth in quality for City just isn't there as it was in the past. Um, but I have no doubt that it won't be an issue long-term that they will address that as time goes by. But as Arsenal, like I said, it's positive because we it's been a long time since we've got a result against City and it's one of those matches, get a result by any means possible and then hopefully that builds confidence throughout the season. Absolutely. Callum, um, Arsenal were the closest challengers last in City. Obviously, eventually City went away with it. Um both of you have started the season pretty much I mean same points and everything. You're on top of in terms of goal scored and goal difference, of course. So you started the season, I mean, talking about statistically slightly better. But when you look at Arsenal, are they are they finally in your eyes anyway? Do you think they're starting to establish themselves again as a genuine threat as a potential Premier League champion once again? Or do you think they're going through almost like a phase where they've had in the past where Arsenal have really impressed but then there's always this moment where the inevitable happens and there's always just faltering do you feel like there's a change of i guess mentality that you're seeing there now that you can feel like every year arsenal can really go for something in the league anyway it's a tough one i think arsenal are absolutely a threat these days i think international breaks probably come at a bad time for them because for me football is a lot about momentum and confidence and Beating City after not beating them for what is it six years in the league or something is, is huge for them. I think it's a, it's a big test of their character. Obviously, City have had you know big players missing, but for me, Arsenal have kept you know last season at the start of last season when they started really well and they maintained it for for most of the season. I was waiting for them to drop off, you know, as the season progressed, and I think they they showed how good that squad is and, and how good Arteta is until the end where they bottled it. But I think, you know, with Man City in the league, it's almost impossible to to really think that Arsenal can win it. But I absolutely think they're on an upwards trajectory. I think if they, they continue adding depth to the team, Arsenal, were, as much as I hate to admit it, they're looking scary. And I mm. think this season will be will be no different. They're going to be right up there towards the end. Who knows if they're going to drop off? But, yeah, you know, I, I don't like what I'm seeing at, at Arsenal. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, never do I. Um, but they're doing well, they're playing very well. But we'll go to City as well. Um, now, uh, Rodri, they've lost was it three, two, three, two league games in a row? They lost the Wolves, three, they lost three in a, three in a row because they also lost League, league Cup. 
Newcastle. Okay, yeah. So domestically, they've lost three in a row. I know they won the Champions League game. Okay. Um, I want to ask about Haaland. I'm not now. Anyone that's listening to this, please, we're not doubting Haaland. Please relax. But the question is being put out there about you know when he's missing Kevin De Bruyne or that what is his overall game? Is he really a Ballon d'Or candidate? And my argument is, well, he's a pure number nine. So unless you're expecting a pure, pure goal-scoring number nine to suddenly become um, Frank Lampard, Ronaldinho overnight, it's not going to happen. Um, but did he look lost in that game against Arsenal? Is it a thing where we can look at him and say, it's not a crisis for a striker team not scoring two games, three games, but are we looking at him and saying maybe there is a formula to stopping him scoring goals? Yes, but yesterday was a bit different because they were both cagey, weren't they? They looked like it was a game where they, no one wanted to get beat. Mm. So then he's feeding off scraps and he's not a type of player that's going to create a, get, create a goal, like a striker that's going to come deep and get it and, and beat two or three players. That's just not his game. So plus last year he was new, people didn't really know about him. People know about him now, so they've studied a lot of games over him and how to play him better. So you you, you probably put, got to put that into the mix as well. But you're going to miss that Kevin De Bruyne, one of the best players in the world, who can put a ball on a sixpence for anyone. Yeah. But um, yeah, you have that rapport with with players, uh, and they seem to have that rapport where you know it just it just clicks. But yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you can go off yesterday because, like I say, it was a cagey game. It was looked like it was going to go with nil-nil, and then you know Arsenal nicked it in the end. But you know Arsenal, the only worry I've got for Arsenal is that they haven't got an elite striker. I mean, top striker, Jesus, yeah, he's okay. He'll get you 15 goals. Nikita, mm, he's, he's on the verge of being Ian right, but he's just not being right. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's nowhere near. He's, he's a poor striker. Very far yeah, from yeah, right. Bold he's nowhere near. <laughs> 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 he's not even close to Darren Bent. He's, he's sharp. He's <laughs> movement, but just the the, the finishing and the the, the, the all round balance of being right. Yeah, they shouldn't be the same conversation to be honest. But, um, but yeah, Ballon d'Or, no way. No, our, our player can have ten touches a game and be being the Ballon d'Or is an embarrassment. But he's, he, I would argue. I mean, not argue. That's that's that's. I don't argue for him. But he scored a crazy amount of goals last season. His first season in what they called the most competitive league in, in the world. So are they are they just crazy to put him in there, or are we? No, he's, it's just a just a. a What's the right word? Um, plays for City. <laughs> let's be honest. Let's be honest. He plays for no, City. He scored a lot of goals, so he, he did. But you just you just hit the nail on the head, though. Like he, he touches the ball ten no, times. We'll throw him in there. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. He touches the ball ten times, and then that's it. And then he's in there. I'm not saying I'm not saying that he's not, I mean, look. He's a traditional number yeah, nine, yeah. so that's his job to score goals. But at the same time, you know, there's a, there's other people for me personally that need to be. Also, also, I can't give them their flowers or whatever as it's, well. Is Messi the of red of reading favorite? Then yes. are we yeah, having another Messi? Yeah, of course he's the one in the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, maybe it's just me because I do everything domestically at PSG. It was it was it was a stinker? It wasn't That's good. 
Ballendor's more political. Oh, he's he's still the best footballer in the world. All now. Even if he's in America chilling with Beckham and that, all now he's still the best footballer in the world. Yeah, I can't argue. And for me, for me, Ballon d'Or is for the best footballer in the world. I know, you know, Haaland's had a great year, won the treble, banged all these goals, fair enough. But like Rodri said, the man has eight, nine touches a game. He's he's on the end of everything. Fair player, yeah. a number nine's job is to score goals, he scores goals. He's not the best footballer in the world by, by mm. a long stretch. He's probably the best finisher in the world. In yeah, the that's a difference. Second, second, yeah, yeah. second best. Oh, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> behave. Come on, man. Hey, I, I agree personally. Football and you'd rather, I would yeah. rather have Harry Kane in no, my he team. Would. He does more. He does more, doesn't he? So, yeah. The strikers that in that team last year would have got 40, 50 goals. I stick a Rude Van Nistelrooy and a, a Van Persie. Or, it's just, there's a lot of strikers of, of, of drug, but a Rooney, they would all score 40, 45 goals in that City team. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, with the, the way defending is now anyway, <laughs> I think they do. I think um, Kevin Phillips, what's Kevin Phillips at Sunderland 30? I think he's hit 45. Uh, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, this goes on. The yeah. finishers that will get the chances in that City team. It's frightening. True. Yeah, we've had a lot of killers. Well, he, his team. movement is really good. For a big fella, he's, he's really sharp, but Ballon d'Or, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> all right then that's the, that's the hard of the ballon door shout straight away uh theo uh just quickly to sum up on the game um arsenal and the title race as i asked earlier but i will want to ask you this as well what should be their main ambition this season because i mean everyone has seen as the overriding favorite Although I will argue and I will say this, knowing from experience, that after you win three in a row, it is not very easy to win the fourth because everyone's coming for your neck. Um, mm. But yeah, back to that one. Do Arsenal genuinely have the ability to? I hate saying this, but it's what everyone says now. Stop City. I think they need a striker. I think they need a decent striker. I'm not saying that Jesus isn't. I mean, he, he can score goals, but I think they need someone who's going to be a bit more, and I don't know who this person is, so I'm saying it, but maybe Ivan Tony. I know he, even he's not really the answer, yeah. but I think they need someone who's a bit more prolific in front of goal, someone that can stay injury-free as well. Um, they're the closest to see. I mean, people talk about Liverpool, but I think, you know, it's open. Why not? Why can't they? Uh, I think they can. Um, they're playing good football under Arteta. He's gotten playing some brilliant football the last couple of seasons. Um, so yeah, I don't see why they can't. It's going to be hard because obviously City is City, and they know when to switch it on at the right moment. But Arsenal can do it. Yeah, Arsenal can do it. Mm. All right. Before we wrap up, hold on. I need to, Basil, I need to ask you a question quickly. Sorry. Um, did you like Declan Rice before he joined you? Uh, no, not really. Well, what are, your, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts now? Because I was telling you, I'll tell you, what are your thoughts now? Be honest. No, but I think still people are overrating what he's doing at Arsenal. I think he's he's a good he's a good asset to what Arsenal is. He's, he's he's doing good for Arsenal. Yeah. But then he's 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 for me he's doing what he's doing at West Ham at Arsenal. I don't think he's any better. I think he's in a better team, but showing the same quality show that West Ham. But I don't think he's great going back going forward. I think he's he's good discipline. He's a good discipline player, and mm. brings us the discipline that we've been missing. But I don't think he's 
that influential in games personally. But that's yeah. but that's my opinion. I think I think he, he's a good he's a good he's a he's a I don't think he's, he's nowhere near that the, what we paid for him. He's a he's a good he's a good player for our team. I'm trying to move my yeah. He's a good player for my, our team, but I don't think he's 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 all that personally. Still personally, but I, I like think, him in our team. I think he's fantastic, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I, don't, I don't see I don't see it personally. Like people are saying, he was a man in the match yesterday, and I thought once again that's ridiculous. Considering the, what the likes of William Saliba and Co were doing at the back, I would have had William Saliba and Gabriel over him. I That's think William Saliba won man of the match. I, I think he was awarded man of the match. Who's plugging heels to stop the ball going to the, the, the Saliba and the, and the Gabriels? Yeah, look, which, which is why I rate him for what he does from a defensive point of view. I think going forward, I don't see it personally. He's never been a great offensive Oh, you say, I think that's what oh, you've got you, you, well. you, You'll be surprised as the people who think he is. <laughs> they're, they're wrong. You, you, I mean, I think you brought surprised. him in a team to do the job that he's doing. Yeah, I think, yeah, he, he's, yeah. yeah for, like from, yeah. A, from a defensive point of view, as a DM, I think he's doing, as I said, Grudger, I think doing a fantastic job. Yeah. I don't see, I think a lot of people think he does a lot more than that in terms of the going for offensive part, which I just don't see at all. Like if, you, if you're doing mm. me as a DM, fantastic. If you're talking about as an overall like midfielder, box to box going forward, I don't see it because I think offensively, I don't. He, he doesn't do much personally. And this is why Arsenal shouldn't win the league because of fans. <laughs> not like you, but some of your some of your fans are talking madness because he's, he's not a box to box. So if they're talking that, they don't deserve the league just on that merit at all. That comments, but but no, I think he's a good player. I think Declan is a good player. I think Kai Havertz needs to do more. Yeah, really, Kai Havertz needs to do more for us. I fear, have a word with your board, please, man. Wherever those receipts are, <laughs> listen, really? they're stashed away somewhere. I was watching Kovacic yesterday. I thought, I'm glad we got rid of him because he's, he's... he's a liability in anyone's Ooh. team. You see, with Arsenal, yes, they're, really. they're, they're, they're doing it the, the right way. They're just piece by piece, where we're just throwing, just Chelsea and United just buying players yeah. and just throwing them in the squad. Yeah, I deal with them. Yeah, where Arteta's just. I just think they're a striker away, and Ivan Tony are a really top striker away from proper, proper competing. Awesome. All right. All right. I think we can wrap It's become every podcast now. Ah, there we go. All right. There, there we go. go. There you go. All right. <laughs> Say hello to the people. Say hello. <laughs> No, don't grab the microphone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's wrap up there. Um, everyone that's been watching and listening, being in the comments, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a while, but we are back consistently now. So you will see us definitely, especially during the international week. And believe me, no podcast is going to be about international football. So we'll find something else to talk about. Um, but before we go, always as I always do, is let everyone plug themselves and let everyone know we can find them. Theo, we start with you, bro. Uh, where can the people find you? Yeah, so um, mainly from the shed end, so Instagram, Twitter, uh, at from the shed end, and then Starla play football as well. So the two podcasts there, but yeah, again, appreciate you having me on, Kojo. Good to be back, appreciate it, man. Rodri, where can I find you, sir? Uh, Ace Podcast Nation Thursday nights on yeah, usual platforms, YouTube, Twitter. Wicked, awesome, Callum. I haven't got much to plug these days. I haven't been on the stream in a while, but very active on Twitter uh, at Callum K underscore. I think. There you yeah. go. Appreciate you having me on as well. Anytime, man. And Basil. 
at me you can find me on twitter at bjakers14 and long may we continue to see the demise of united and chelsea and Quite. hopefully tottenham, <laughs> tottenham very soon he's doing so well until that last one they, they, they probably won as much as us as we won in the last 14 years oh that's true yeah come on come on yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what basil I'm, i'll message you privately later <laughs> uh free midfield podcast all of your socials as you know if you're here and if you haven't subscribed please subscribe to the content and to the podcast uh we'll be here next week probably same time and probably with this one here as well yeah exactly all right <laughs> peace out have a lovely one good night